We need to succumb to our robot overlords. Today is June 5th, 2022, and you're listening to episode 51 of Manchild and the Old Guy. He's the manchild, a bearded 20-something, and I'm the old guy, a cynical Gen Xer. This is your intergenerational podcast where we discuss pop culture, faith, politics, and whatever we find interesting. Broadcasting to the world from our secret locations throughout the central United States, I'm the old guy, and... I'm the man-child. Welcome to our stream of consciousness. Welcome, welcome, yeah, comrades. Well, it's been a while since we've been able to do an episode. Yeah, man, we've been busy. End of March, busy, we, busy. of course, we had uh, Easter in there, and then uh, May is just a busy time, and yeah, so here we are, June 5th. What'd you, did you do anything special for Memorial Day? I worked. <laughs> you worked. Did you get time and a half? Oh, yeah, I got time and a half for that one. Um, and uh, let's see, we had burgers. And then, yeah, that's pretty much all I really did for Memorial Day. <laughs> Not too much, huh? I, You know, our yeah. big meal that day was actually McDonald's. Solid, man. Yeah. All right. Good old, it's, it's hey, good old American. Yeah. McDouble and small fries hits the spot sometimes. It is what it is. Yeah. And I got to talk to Theodorable for a few minutes before we got on. And uh, he's already half as tall as you are. What is up with everyone? Like, we we were just with some friends last night, uh, James James and Leah, and uh-huh. we were playing uh, like categories mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh no, it was it was it was a five second rule where you have five seconds to name three things, and it was her turn, and they're like, okay, name three terms of endearment for your significant other, and she's like, um, little guy, and they just sat there in silence. Oh, until goodness. it was done and i'm like you have never once called me little guy and the rest of the night everyone's just like oh little guy little guy <laughs> and then you today man i know i'm five six okay i'm well, a i'm a, a decent height that's okay. that's that is not what i'm saying what i'm saying is you're almost six month old is really big for us he's got to be in the 110 yeah. percentile something i think he's almost as uh that's big as his uh cousin i am i am not noting how you know your height at all i am only uh, i like how you said that i'm not noting how um i'm not <laughs> noting your height you're gonna say i'm not noting how short you are <laughs> right you gotta correct yourself there that's right because you were gonna say i wasn't noting how short i don't want to i don't want to offend you but but i'm I a do- short king and i'm okay with that man Hey, Napoleon was there. Um, just stay away from Waterloo. Napoleon was taller than me. Let me look that up. I'm pretty sure he was taller than me. Yeah, right about the same height. Um, he wasn't as short as people make him out to be, but he was short for a monarch. Um, no, he was 5'2", so yeah, he was, he was shorter than me. He was a pretty short guy. Yeah, but he was no midget, and sometimes in cartoons and stuff, they make him out to be like three and a half feet tall. But regardless... Yeah. I'm only noting that Theodorable is very tall mm-hmm. for his age. Because uh, well, he turned six months later this month, 
Right. Yeah, in eleven days. Eleven days. Six and, months. Yep. Yeah, and he's already as tall as his cousin that was born three months before him, if not yep. taller. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm really noting. Now, if you weren't as tall as you are, he wouldn't be half your height. That's another story. <laughs> I feel like you're just trying to dig a hole now. I you know, sometimes the only thing you can do is keep digging because you, there's no way out. I'm just digging a hole so that you're taller than me in that aspect, you know? So I'm yeah. down here and up there and you're obviously going to be taller than me because of how short, I mean, how of your height. Uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh-huh. Obvi- yeah. It's very mm-hmm. obvious that you're obviously, obviously something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we lived closer, you'd be wrecking me upside the head right now. No, no, no. I would, I would never do that. Here's what I would say is that if you challenge me to a game of Halo, that I am confident that you would kill me within 10 seconds of respawning all afternoon. All right. Yeah. I, I would, I can get on board with that. Cause you and your brothers often made sure that I was just cannon fodder to boost your own scores. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. Although you never let me play halo until I was like 16. So yeah. Well, I know you played it before then. That's just the official. Oh, you know what? The only time I ever the official played start Halo, of allowing you to play Halo. Yeah, no. The only time I ever played it was at camp when uh, Ryan came over his last name. They're the DCs when we first moved there. Um, Ryan something. Yeah, Smith. yeah, yeah, yeah. You went to Japan teaching English. He had mm-hmm. uh, Halo Reach. And he brought that. That was when it was brand new in 2010. Put it in the Xbox on the old giant projection TV mm-hmm. and played through that a couple of times. That was, that was my first and only time playing Halo up until you got me an Xbox 360, which is on the shelf. Yeah, right you, here. you still have you have a collection of Xboxes. Yeah, I do. I have uh, two different versions of the Xbox Slim or the Xbox S. And I have the uh, Battlefield 1 Special Edition Xbox One. Um. 1S, and then I have a white 1S, which is the NBA 2K edition, but it's like they're all the same. There's nothing no. special about it. That's in the living room. That's all or about, bedroom, I guess. Isn't that just about the controllers and the wrap they put on the... Not even. No, it's all just white. Oh. But that was like the most common color, so it's a special edition. Like It came with NBA 2K, oh, which so I that's hate. A, they I just hate. threw the game in there. Yeah, and it was a dumb game. Um, there's ads in the game. Really? They literally have ads in the game. It's oh, so dumb. Um, but then I have my Xbox Series X. Mm, can you see? Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, it's just off the corner of the screen. It's like right here. Ah. So. The last two minutes we didn't record. Well, then. But anyway, anyway we're just talking about going to the Smithsonian. So there's an iPod in there. This old Sansa thing we had. No Zune. No Zune? No Zune. Not even the regular zoom let alone the video zoom what was the video zoom called zoom hd zoom hd that's it yeah you know which you know what my theory was was always that the zoom was just a precursor to microsoft coming out with their own cell phone which didn't last long either um, because basically the zoom software just became the phone software but but I love the Zoom. I yeah. thought it was a and that's, great That's all on Microsoft, though, because Microsoft is... I'm going a little tired there. I, that's the one thing I hate about Microsoft. They release, like, somewhat head-of-the-time products or just really cool things, and then they just don't support them out of the gate, and then they die. And they're like, oh, well, another thing failed. Like, the the Duo 
that phone. Oh yeah. They stopped supporting three months after they sold it. And it was, so I have all these people. I had, it's actually it a solid, solid phone. phone. Weird. Yeah. Has some weird things with it, but it was solid. Then they made a second one. And as far as I know, they stopped supporting that as well. But like all the Nokia stuff, like Windows phones I had, I love them. But mm-hmm. it went to like, oh, Facebook wasn't there anymore. The Instagram disappeared. They couldn't get on Snapchat. The Twitter wasn't there. And there wasn't a YouTube app anymore. And like all the apps start disappearing. You could literally only text and call on there and make, maybe go in a basic browser. That was like all that existed on the phone yeah. after a while. I'm like, okay. And I, I don't understand that. I, yeah, I don't get why they put all of that money into R&D and then just like totally blow it. I don't know. They, they, they do that with like just too many things. They're just kind of like, oh, well, let's just get rid of it. <laughs> we'll, sell, we'll sell it or buy up another company to have them do it or something. I don't know. Well, uh, yeah. So we had a little internet kerfuffle there and had to restart some systems. Thank you, uh, T-Mobile, once again for supporting our home internet. But when it works, it's great. When it doesn't work, it crashes completely. And everything has to be restarted. Hey, man, I, I'm still dealing with MediaCon. I haven't had internet in almost three weeks. So what are you using right now? I have internet now. They finally came out and fixed oh. it um, this week. But uh, when they replace the siding, the dude's like, I, I'll send you a picture after this. So I assume probably they send you cut them. the cord. Oh, beyond that, just absolutely just straight up mangled that equipment out there. And I had like four appointments with Mediacom coming out and arguing with them that, no, I'm not going to pay you money because I don't use your modem router. It's not my modem router that's busted. I already replaced that just in case. Um, no, it was the, their box outside. I'm going to send oh. to you here so you can take a look at it. There's a bird's nest in it. Um, Holy cow. I mean, there was stuff all over the place that yeah, you see it. Yep. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah. Thank you. Mediacom for protecting your investment. What? Uh-huh. Yeah, they they just kept saying like, "Oh yeah, you know, we'll uh, we'll get this repaired, we'll get this fixed," and then they just like would send a guy out. He say, "Oh, it's done." I had internet for like a day or so, and then I just didn't again. I yeah. Why yeah. why do companies do that kind of stuff? I don't. I really. No, it, it's 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 beyond the pale. Stupid. Let alone that like companies are charging seventy bucks a month for. 100 megabits um down and like five megabits up Mm -hmm. because it's just like cell phones now there there isn't a shortage on internet bandwidth all right that just doesn't exist anymore yeah it's like they're throttling you because they can do that and then they they can can just make bigger profit like come on just let everyone have an unlimited plan just it's there just open the floodgate it's just stupid at this point yeah and they've put they've put so many 5G towers up now that um well yeah. I was hotspotting my phone for uh the kiddo to watch shows or for the girl child to play in her tablet. Mhm. So yeah, yeah, well that's my my home internet actually goes through the 5G towers. Unfortunately where I live because I'm next to an airport 
the 5G towers are kind of far away. So that's why I get these internet hiccups. But I can tell you when I drive around where I live and into other areas, uh, the 5G is so strong. I mean, everything's instantaneous on my phone. Now, if I get off, when I go like really far north up towards Canada and get off the interstate and stuff, then there's no 5G towers and everything goes wonky. But, but it, yeah, I, especially in larger communities, the 5G is so strong that you, you don't even need a line going to your house or your apartment or anything. It's, oh yeah. I mean, and there, you know, there's well, thousands we're, we're of people road. all IP and on the, on those towers and it's, this doesn't even affect yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, we're on the road and I get you premium so I can just like close my phone, listen to YouTube stuff and I'll listen to like really long talk shows or something on there. Mm-hmm. When we're driving, I can just click on a video just starts playing. Yeah. And then skip through a bunch of videos. They're all just like right there on 5g. It works really well. Yeah. Well, that's uh, pretty good, but usually I have a rant to start our podcast off with. So, what did you want to rant today, or was it just the internet? No, no, like I, we can talk. Uvalid, how do you pronounce that? Uvalid, Uvalid. The yeah, the school re- most recent school shooting. Yeah, how do you say it? Uvalid or Uvalid? Uh, Uvalid, I believe. Uvalid. Okay, this. All right. Now, I mean, I'll be the most upfront with it. I have politically shifted quite a bit over the past couple of years. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm for, for those who are new to the podcast. So when we first started this podcast three or four years ago, Manchild was one of the biggest Trump supporters ever. And he was almost framing his trump support cards that he would get in the mail and such like that and then i'm still gonna frame those i mean that's so cool yeah but and then uh you started losing a little gravitas with them and then after january 6th you were done and yeah then, no like and then you went and became the campaign person for some commie pinko there where you live yeah i was the campaign finance manager for a democratic socialist yeah um and then I voted Green Party, and um, I don't know. I help with some of the the DSA stuff here in town. I don't really do anything with them. They just ask me questions. I'll answer. Sure. So you've went um, from very extreme, and this I, is- I was bordering far right. I will say that I was. Yeah. You know, I you- I put in a thing that's trying to join the Proud Boys. Be- well, before all the stuff came about them, I was going to join the Proud Boys because there was a section of them in Omaha when I was living there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I was very in that pipeline of just going down the far right nationalist um, way. And then uh, it kind of hit me with COVID. A lot started affecting me and changed my perspective on how certain things work in the government and the way to view certain people. Um, <laughs> and it, it just like dramatically changed after uh, January 6th. That that just totally just and you shut me down. You, you you still you still feel that the qualifications of January sixth calling it an insurrection is the correct terminology for that, right? Um, I mean, a, a while back we had a discussion about this, and you felt like January sixth was an insurrection, 
which yeah, I've I never mean, I, felt that way, you know, because the video you just watched, most people were just wandering around, staying inside the velvet ropes and taking pictures. There was a small insurrection means that you could actually take over something. And there's no way these people were ever going to take over anything. Regardless of what the majority were doing, the effort of breaking into a Capitol building, a federal Capitol building. Yeah. And then there were people with the zip ties and weapons on them that were attempting to harm, uh, you know, figures of the state. And then they oh, were stealing I, government property. Like a dude stole like Pelosi's laptop to try and like, I mean, yeah. the Which amount of crimes fun. that well, were the, committed the, in there. The, uh, the guy walking around with the Pelosi's podium or something was really funny. Yeah. It, you know, it's definitely acts of treason, Per se, maybe not even. And, and, that, and that, that, that's but, where I get but it. It's it's not, if you're doing this act of treasons, because, it's, the whole thing it's here not is to try and stop a, an election, right? The stop the election process was the main reason of doing this. That uh, is well, what. Well, to stop the uh, the election had already happened, but they're well, they're stopping, they're stopping the, the actual like House representatives yeah. from saying. The elect- I vote Biden. I vote Trump. Well, they want, yeah, they wanted to stop the electoral process or the yeah. electoral college process. Yeah, yeah. So they're trying to stop that. So for me, mm-hmm. if you're trying to stop um, the the somewhat whatever mm-hmm. democratic system we have Repres- for your own representative means, democratic, yeah, yeah, a representative democracy. If you're trying to stop that and postpone it for your own means to allow your candidate and chosen person to remain in office unconstitutionally and you're storming a Capitol building, whether or not everyone really knew what they were doing or just running around having fun, there was enough people in there to do damage and were seeking to, you know, there are people that wanted to lynch, uh, what's his bucket? Pen, uh, Pence. Pence. Yeah. Right, they're yelling like, hang Pence, hang Pence. Well, um, and then the court chant, stuff coming yeah, out right ch- now, the committee they're doing for like January I, I am not defending any, a lot more stuff. I'm not defending anything that anybody did that day, but you know, people chant stuff that is really stupid all the time. So whether or not yeah, they would they actually do. go through um, with that, I don't know. I think there were I, people there that they're if all such they had morons. the chance, they probably, yeah, they're morons. Yeah. But that's the thing is whether or not it was a successful or really had a chance at winning doesn't matter, right? You know, like if you somehow will find your team, if you're just the Browns, the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> and you just somehow find your way up into the Super Bowl and your chances are slim to zero, you're just the wild card. You somehow just got in there. Whether you have a chance or not. And then like everyone knows, you know, the Packers are going to kill you or whoever is just going to murder you. There's no way you guys suck. You're still doing the Super Bowl. So whether or not these guys really had a shot at succeeding in this or really doing any damage, they still committed the act and still perpetrated this that in my eyes is still should be considered as like an insurrection. These guys were trying to appeal the government for unconstitutional reasons. Yeah. In my eyes. And I think that for me, a lot of people well, agree with that. They, they need to be helicopter. Insurrection has, they would need the military. Be, I mean, that, that really is a military term insurrection that you're rising up and you're taking something well, over and there's no chance of them ever taking anything over. The military wasn't on their side. It's not like generals were parking th- tanks outside see, the Capitol a- building and stuff. 
you know, so if you're going to call it military was on their side, but there were military members. There were police officers that were off duty that were part of it as well. So, I I mean, there there is enough people that it was pretty sketchy. Well, it obviously was a sketchy moment. All all I'm putting people put this over the top like this was going to topple the government somehow. Even if they could have taken over the building and kept the Capitol Police out longer or whatever. This was never going to end well with them. They they never would have had control of anything. There, there's no part of the federal government that would have ever answered to them. Now they could have harmed a bunch sure, of people. They wouldn't answer to them, but this this but this but that, could have that's all I'm getting a at. New nine eleven situation. What did you just say? I said this easily can become. Could. That was the big thing with it. it wasn't that like, oh, they're going to destroy the whole government. They could easily create this into another 9-11 situation where we never anticipate something like this to happen. And then it happens in our entire life changes. Well, suddenly people storm the Capitol and let's say they did manage to murder Pence or Pelosi or injure a bunch of Congress people. That action, what happened in there would then change our entire like trajectory as a country just like 9-11 completely changed airline and security and the patriot act all those kind of things happened because of 9-11 so i think if this event actually took place and actually was successful then yeah and that was the concern is that it's going to dramatically change the course of this country if these people are able to get in there and do this well because you disagree with them what if you agreed with them so what, what everybody needs to understand is that our system is built on if the federal government overreaches, that the population at any point in time can stop the federal government if it wants. Now, we can look on it as a bad thing on January 6th, and I think most people do. But um, the reality is, is our system, the way it's set up, is set up so that any point in time, if the U.S. populace decides that their leaders are jacked up, that we can go and take back control of the country. Yeah, I. Yeah, that that is a constitutional thing. Is it going to happen? No, it's never going to happen. All these idiots walking around their AR-15s and decked out weapons aren't going to do crap because the government's already stepping on you now. You guys sit around and lick the boots of cops for no reason. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. These are the same people that are the boots of cops and they're like capitalism. Like they're just like capitalism? so gung-ho. Just listen to what I'm saying. They're like so gung-ho. Like we got to keep these gun manufacturers in office and you have oil. Yeah. Screwed in electric cars and you know, all this kind of stuff. And like, I like my guns. I'm all American. We got to have freedom and all this kind of stuff. Like you guys are literally like licking the boots of people that are already stepping on your freedoms they're already doing and you haven't done anything define define 300 years licking the boots of people who are already stepping on your the freedom. blue flag dude that stupid crap with the blue line flag flying it they're like i love police officers they do they do a great job even though they really don't have a, a, a thing where they have to protect us yeah but you know what <laughs> god bless them I mean, constantly. What cops if, don't have legally, the, the, due to the cases of the 1980s, Supreme Court made it very clear that the police officers don't have a constitutional or legal obligation to go out and defend or protect people. They do have that when it comes to government 
and uh, private property like businesses, right? These are things that are decided by the Supreme Court in the 1980s. So that's why Uvalid, people are going to sue the cops. And guess what? Nothing's going to happen. None cop, those cops are going to lose like what? Maybe uh, a week, no pay and get right back on the force on a desk job for two days and go back on the road. Uh, nothing's so, going to happen so because what, they have qualified immunity. None of them are going to have any problems because they sat around for hours doing nothing while people were being killed. And also cops oh, went in there, got their own kids out and then left and didn't that, get their own people. That they tased parents. That it, well, they did tase that word. Tased and pepper sprayed parents. One of the situations. Well, I know one parent. And dad comes to the bus. Parents. And they're just like, sir, sure back about. up. What? And they just tased the dude on the ground. Yeah. So, so your contention is that the, it was the fault of the police to not go in right away that's what you're getting at yes because this is an exact this is an exact problem that happened to columbine the swat team was created like like stupidly i hate the swat team because i think it's almost a completely useless program 90 percent of the time um they they bring in all these heavy armed police officers all this high-end gear all these weapons again thank and you they sit outside thank you 9-11 for selling this kind of armament to our police forces anyway go on yep also thanks reagan because he he's the one that first started not first started but he, yeah, was, well, he was a big proponent of it's that it's actually yeah derivative of 9-11 and homeland security that's where it yeah really but he off. started the program sure because we got to buy um, more stuff yeah, of course. But anyway, we have to so keep buying things. Yeah, yeah. So Columbine happens. They waited outside for you know how many hours, and people bled to death because the two idiots had already shot themselves and ended the situation. Yeah. The cops stayed where they're at because they thought they were hearing shots, even though it was coming from other officers. And then every other time that this kind of situation has kind of come up. It's been the same situation of cops not going there. Like for crying out loud, like if if a fireman shows up to a house that is burning and there's a kid screaming in the window, they're not going to say like, well, I'm going to wait here until it dies down a bit and then go get kid. They know the risk that they're probably going to die if they get this kid. They have to get this kid. They have the equipment. They are trained. They will do everything they can with what they have to save that child from a burning building. Not going to wait until it's a smoldering pile of ash on the ground and be like, well, I found his finger. I think we're good. You know, what is that? And then these cops are sitting there. You guys have automatic assault rifles you guys have i mean i'm sure they probably had a cannon bazooka there too you know maybe a death laser from space there's no okay so let's just qualify something here nobody has automatic rifles they have have automatic rifles no those are semi-automatic they can't an automatic no an automatic rifle is you pull the trigger and multiple shots are fired now there may be somebody with a machine gun that's a full automatic rifle, but like a anything where you just pull the trigger and it auto loads the next round in, that's a semi-automatic. So just to qualify, the, machine, the police aren't going in with machine guns. Now there might be some on us, maybe a tactical assault squad. They might have some fully automatic weapons, but in general, the police don't carry automatic weapons. They have semi-automatic automatic so just to qualify that and i'm not uh disagreeing with you at all that the police have a problem here uh 
after Columbine, it was actually put into most police forces that in this type of situation, there should not be waiting because they did wait at Columbine and there was extra death going on that should not have happened. Uh, yeah, and that's the exact same situation here. And it's a repeat situation with law enforcement across the country where, yeah, there's good people that are cops, but also you have these situation with how many people showed up there. What the heck did they do? They did nothing. There's a video of a dude scrolling through Instagram while he's holding a gun on the back of a truck. I, uh, do something. You Parents sure were running in Instagram? and getting their own kids out. Yeah, that well, was, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it, he it looks made, like it was Instagram. It could have been a community. You don't know anymore. I mean, everything goes through. If you're swiping, either way, the optics of that would be to not yeah. stand there with the gun like this, looking at your phone. And I don't care what the reasoning is. Your optics are pretty much everything in the situation. Parents ran in, got their kids, so, and were able to leave with the, their kids. A the parent drove the 40 miles are, to pick up their kid. Oh, I know. Uh the optics that this is why police don't do what they should be doing is because of the optics and it actually backfires on them every time. This is, you know, especially after, you know, a couple of years ago, the George Floyd incident where, you know, that police officer, um, Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd, uh, murdered him, uh, as he was convicted of that because of that. And everybody walking around with their cell phones, every cop, second guesses everything he does now it's just like when the last iraqi war every battlefield commander had a lawyer with him so that he would not get fired court-martialed sued any of that before they made any decision and that is yeah, well, the, they shouldn't have made decisions at this point we shouldn't have been there we shouldn't well, have done anything so that that's my point here with the uvalid issue uh i am sure because you you tend to go on back channel kind of stuff and read some things that are quasi news and not that you've seen the pictures of this young man who shot up the school walking around bags of yeah. cats that he had tortured. Have you seen those? Have anything, haven't seen anything about the bags of cats. Yes. So just do a quick search on that. You'll find out that this young man for years and he has buddies and his parents never say anything. Uh, he, he liked to go around and torture cats and he would walk around with bags of tortured cats, usually two or three of them in a bag and just show them to people for the shock value. Now, why in God's green earth did nobody put a red flag on him? Red flag laws exist down in Texas and everywhere else. If you were mentally challenged and this person obviously was, he should have never passed the background check. Everybody. Let, let alone the background background check the dudes walk around with like just south of ten thousand dollars worth of bullets and guns yeah so as like a new 18 year old like well, where the heck did he get money to go purchase all of that yeah who knows but psychology 101 is if you mutilate animals you've got psychological problems and somebody should have turned this kid in uh, he's, he had issues and long before this shooting should have never happened because one, uh, he should have been in a mental health facility long before this. And two, he should have been red flagged when they did the background check. It should have popped up that he's got mental issues because he likes to mutilate cats and no one should have ever sold him a rifle. Now he could, probably could have got an illegal weapon someplace because of course it's Texas and the drug cartels are all over the place and legal weapons are everywhere. But, uh, 
all of the the legal jurisprudence could have been put in place just by a parent saying, my kid's a wacko. I need to turn him into somebody and get him help because he's, again, mutilating. If you're mutilating animals, especially as an older teenager, uh, you, yeah, you, you've got other things going on. So you can't tell me there wasn't X, Y, Z happening in this kid's life that made it obvious that he was a wacko. And nobody did I'm, anything. I'm sure there was. I mean, nobody did anything. With, yeah, but then you have to think about like the way people talk about things. Half the kids I grew up with mutilated animals and shot them for fun, right? But did they but go? Was, but did they go pick it, them up and stab them? Under? Huh? Yeah, yeah. They'd sca- stab them, then skin them, then eat the meat. We called them hunters. They liked the hunt. Some of those kids that did that literally preferred just shooting and like killing the animal to anything else. Now, if this kid was shown hunting, he may as well just became a hunter. But that same instinct shows up in so many people. So many people are just gonna be like, "Oh well, he's just a good Texas boy, and I'll get some stray cats out in the you know back in the yard and whatever." There's probably enough people that are just like, "Oh, it's not a problem." <laughs> and then I'm sure he did get picked up before. I'm sure people have reported things. Uh, well, if but they, no one did anything because well, they a, don't care. Well, they care now. Yeah, they care now in retrospect. But everyone that says all these programs, all these checks, all these things are just stupid. You know, whatever, man. They're not going to do nothing. Well, they, well yeah, they, they don't do anything if no one actually follows through with the reporting. Yeah, and that's and it my doesn't help when places like forge documents to let people get guns like oh, a little bit early. Well, I don't know about that, but. Uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty of gun laws on the books. The thing is, is that criminals never obey the laws. And when you go around to the places around our country that have the most gun violence, it's actually the cities that have the most restrictive gun laws, Chicago being a primary example. So the weekend after Uvalid happened, there was 42 people shot in Chicago, mostly in gang violence and mostly with Uh, unregistered handguns that were illegally obtained. Uh, I don't think 19 people died in that current weekend, but uh, Cook County, Illinois, where Chicago resides, has the most restrictive gun laws in the country. People are still being shot. Gun laws don't do anything because the majority, the vast majority of gun owners abide by the law. And handle their guns the, the point, and their weapons appropriately. Well, we, we, we can say that, right? But however, this kid in Uvalid bought his guns legally, bought his ammo legally. All right. We can talk about all oh, this unlegal, all this kind of stuff that's done, you know, but what, the back what, doors against the so law. So tell me what. This kid walked into a place that, that many okay, people okay, have guns got down it, there. Got it, got it. Killed stop, people. Stop. But trying to so what do new- Chicago is not. It's not. It's an apple to oranges kind of situation. Absolutely not, because he would have. People have guns in that area. They have less gun control in that area than they do with the millions of people living in Chicago. Listen, and this kid still was able to do this, and no one did anything. Well, that's everyone that says tell that me, they are pro. Let me let me just okay. rant here. If everyone <laughs> was saying they're so pro gun that they would go in and kill this dude, I kick his ass, whatever. They would not step foot in that building and do anything. Maybe they use a shotgun to shoot a guy intruding on their house. 
These people don't have the guts or balls or anything. They think they're being persecuted when someone says, hey, I don't like your shirt just because it says MAGA on it. These are not realistic, level-headed people. And if, so if anyone's going to try and compare people that are in Chicago, they're doing gang violence and dying. The 42, right, statistically, let's put that there. How many millions of people live in Chicago, right? And 42 got shot. How many thousand people live in Uvalid and how many were shot and killed compared to the amount of officers that responded to that situation and did absolutely nothing. If we're going to always look at stuff from a statistical thing and compare it, it's only fair to say, look at it in volume. If you look at it in volume, the amount of deaths and shootings happened in Chicago is so minute compared to the actual population. You could argue that the gun control does work there. It it deters people from getting guns to do these things. Yes, some slip by. That's why there's only 40 people versus Uvalid, where it's completely legal. And this kid still and killed like 20 people and then shot himself, let alone shooting his grandma, which I don't know if she's alive or not. I've, I've heard conflicting things about whether she's alive or not. Oh, That's what I'm saying. Don't compare it to Chicago. And then try and say this is exact like a a, a a one for one situation is a completely different. Okay, you're ballgame. you're misconstruing everything I said. Small town Texas pro gun with cops that have a four million annual dollar budget, oh. and they couldn't do anything. Yeah, well, police incompetence is certainly at play here. All I'm saying, and I was just simply going to ask you a question: What? What new gun law would have stopped this kid? No, you're breaking up. No, you're breaking up. <laughs> no, what if, so you're obviously a proponent for more gun laws. Oh no, did your internet crash again? No, it's fine. I'm hearing you fine. Can you not hear me? I think it's his internet. Are you there? I don't think... Yeah, my internet's working just fine. Yours okay. is the one that's saying Scott's bandwidth is low. Oh, usually it pops up on my screen and says that too. Uh, anyway, what I was saying was simply asking you the question, because it's obvious that you're for more gun restrictions or laws. Uh, it, it, not even necessarily. Okay, like, well, let me ask the question. I let you, just, go, on, I let you go on your rant. No, right? Okay, go, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, the... That uh, what new gun law would have stopped this kid from doing what he did, since the people in place didn't hold him accountable, he still would have been able to obtain a weapon. Uh, and I'm the only thing that the only new gun law that's being proposed right now that may have stopped him from doing this is upping being able to purchase weapons at 21 or something like that. Well, if you made it so that people couldn't buy guns unless it was for um, hunting or sport, then you could verify that. You're going to cut down a lot there, make it so people just can't have guns just to have them. Not saying, well, that's constitutional well, or not, just saying that's something that could happen. No one's going to admit that they want to buy guns to shoot people. Yeah, no, but you have to provide evidence as to like a sport, a club, you're registered. Whatever. It's just, it's not about making it so people can't get guns. It's about deterring and making the process so difficult that people that want to try and get the guns 
just don't because mm-hmm. it's too difficult, right? The process of doing like home security and putting locks on a lot of stuff is it to make it so no one can get in your house. It's to make it as a deterrent so that the criminal just doesn't even want to try and engage because there's all this stuff in place. I'm just going to go into another house that doesn't have the ADD, ADT sign front, right? That's that's the purpose of it. Uh, everyone tries to push a lot of these laws, regulations into the realm of, oh, this is to make it so, you know, we can't own guns. I'm like, no, no one's saying can't own guns. Like, obviously, you can own a gun. It's a constitutional thing. You can own a gun in Chicago. It's an incredibly tedious process to get one. So if you really want one, you can. But it's incredibly tedious to try and cut down the amount of people that can go and get a gun, plan out something, and go do it. Yeah, that's it. One, one thing that has been uh, suggested by several people I've heard from, and I don't know how I feel about it, but I think it's an interesting suggestion, where basically there's a whole program run through the government to where like, okay, you want to get a gun? Great. Uh, your license for getting a gun or whatever is at level one, and the only weapons you can use are low velocity, low caliber, really just bolt action, that's all you can purchase and use. And then after completing so many things of training and all this other stuff, then you can go to a level two where then you can purchase higher caliber, whatever, to the point where like a handgun, honestly, should probably be like at the top because it's one of the more, it's one of the hardest weapons really to use in an actual situation without murdering someone. Um, it's, easy to conceal it and you can get it in through a lot of places that should be one of the top weapons on that leveling scale where someone really has to be trained that having that whole process where like no one would legally allow you into any situation to like get a gun with unless you had like training and it was verified and it's you know up to date or whatever i think that would deter a lot of people that's not saying no one can get a gun but it's showing that like you have to show that you show a very basic level of competence to do anything besides just a pea shooter you know then at that point you don't need a whole bunch of crazy systems put in there and laws it's kind of regulates itself if the people doing the program to train you are like yeah no you're unstable or you're nuts and stuff you've said is highly questionable denied you can you can uh, try again in a year. Yeah. I think that's actually a fairly reasonable system for doing it. It's not saying no one can get a gun, but it is limiting the types of guns people can just purchase. Yeah, I, the as I've analyzed it myself, um, you know, when it if we just look statistically nation nationwide. Gun violence is actually down over, and school gun violence is actually down compared to back in the 80s and 90s. Again, you were statistically, uh, you are safer going to school now than when I went to school in public school. Uh, it simply the difference being is that when people were shot at school in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only two or three were shot at a time. And for whatever reason, now more people are shot at one time. So uh, that makes it look worse. But statistically speaking, more people were shot in school in the decades in past than, than are right now. 
It's just the ratio between the shooter and the number of people have gone up. Um, and also just having a higher population is going to account for that as well. Yeah, but more the, kids. Well, I mean, you think about there's smaller classrooms in that time period. Now classrooms have gone up mm, like almost quadrupled in size per teacher. So, I mean, when you go in a room, instead of there being 10 kids, there's 20, I, 30 kids in one well, classroom. Well, I can tell you I was never in a class of only 10 kids. Um, no, there's a lot of places they had sure. small, the classrooms in general were smaller back yeah. then in general. Yeah. So all, all what you were saying again, goes back to law abiding citizens. But the reality is, is we need to get the guns out of most, most gun violence is done by criminals. Of course, I, now what I'm, we need to qualify that because once you commit violence against another person, you instantly become a criminal. So yes. You can make that leap. Everybody who does gun violence is a criminal. But what I'm saying is people who illegally obtained a firearm are the ones that most often are committing crimes with firearms and uh, and usually with unregistered firearms. So as I've done my own research and I am pro Second Amendment, because just as we were talking earlier, I think uh, one, the U.S. populace needs its weapons that make sure the government stays in check. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's a whole nother, I don't want to go off on that tangent right now, but I think the second amendment's good and valid. And again, there's 400 million weapons in our country, 350 million people. Most people own two or three weapons, only a hundred million people in our country own weapons only something like that. And out of those hundred million, we're talking about an infinitesimal amount that of law abiding citizens that cross the line and become a criminal and commit, uh, act with that weapon. So, uh, but what I think is the best, as I've listened to all the pundits and done my own research and stuff, is they need to, just like they did with bank robberies in the 20s and 30s, you need to make it a federal crime. And if you commit an act of violence with a weapon, shoot somebody or murder somebody or go to a school and uh, you get the federal book thrown at you. Federal felonies are very hard to get rid of. Uh, federal felonies get you locked up and taken out of society for a long time. And the federal government still has a death penalty. So uh, I, I think that Congress needs to act by, at a minimum, making un, all gun violence a federal crime. And I think that will instantaneously take a whole bunch of people off the streets and uh, get a... a be a very healthy deterrent to people choosing to do crimes with weapons of uh, kinetic energy. Kinetic energy. I think that's a good idea. I don't necessarily think that that alone would just suddenly drop the stuff going on. Cause I think a lot of people like we're saying are criminals that do it. Don't get caught. Yeah, uh, this is true. Cause just before we got on, you're reading the story about, the shooting that took place this weekend well last night actually in philadelphia the police show up start one of the police officers starts shooting at the man who's shooting in a crowd he just drops his weapon and takes off running they still haven't found him yep uh you know and he drops a weapon it's unregistered you know hopefully he left some fingerprints on it maybe he's in the system i don't know but it's definitely a hot topic right now and um it's an issue our country needs to deal with. Now, I will say it's definitely a political issue, but of course, 
our political monsters in Washington, D.C. and at, at the state level are trying to make it something more than it is. I see we burn the whole thing down. Burn it all. Well, see, now, what are you, an insurrectionist now? No, 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 no. Anyone that, uh, you know, just any any human being, we just kill everyone indiscriminately. Just oh. everyone. We, Start over. Start we, fresh. Burn, we, burn to the ground. We need to succumb to our robot overlords. And with that, we want to take a moment to acknowledge all yes. of our stream of consciousness listeners out there. We appreciate all of you for listening and adding value to this podcast. When you share your stream of consciousness with us, you're helping to produce the show. That's usually where you jump in and read something. Sorry, you were breaking up there, so I didn't hear the last thing you said. Um, if you have, if you found value in this podcast, please visit anchor.com slash MCTOG to support the show. We want you to interact with each other as well as with us. So look for Manchild and the Old Guy's Facebook page. Links can be found through our website, www.bloodpumpmedia.com. You can also cross your stream of consciousness with us by emailing us at bloodpumpmedia at gmail.com or commenting on the Facebook page. Yeah, we'd like to hear from you, so please send us your suggestions or comments so you can help produce the show. If you like what you hear and you're finding value and entertainment in what we are doing, then by all means be a proud listener by telling others about the show so you can cross a stream of consciousness with them. So we love hearing from you on social media. We really don't get a lot of action on social media from our listeners, but we know there's some of you out there, uh, so please feel free to post and and, uh, you know, tell us what you think. And then, uh, especially after good rants like uh, the man-child, we want to know what you think as well. So let us know and uh, chime in so we can have a broader discussion. Well, let's get into some news stories today. Uh, first, uh, don't be that guy. So um, this is, of course, you know, we love our Florida stuff. Um, oh, yeah. They have the best things coming out of there. <laughs> So I have two Florida things. So the first one's a don't be that guy. A Florida woman is facing felony charges for allegedly beating her husband with a belt after she caught him watching pornography on his cell phone and masturbating. Angela Davis, 30, was arrested Tuesday morning following a confrontation with the 51-year-old victim at his home in Summerfield, a central Florida community. Davis' husband told cops that he had gotten into an altercation with with her after she interrupted his pleasure session. The victim said Davis became angry and asked to see his phone and that he complied with the request. After, after Davis discovered some sort of communication between the victim and someone on the website Reddit, Reddit's the black hole of the internet, police reported a verbal altercation ensued and then that dispute became violent. Wrapped she wrapped a leather belt with a large belt buckle around her fist and started beating her husband, <laughs> which I think is funny since he was Jimmy Christmas. <laughs> uh, Davis was in the toilet. She was arrested after investigators determined she was the incident's primary aggressor. She's also being charged with witness tampering, which they don't go into the in the article why she's being accused of witness tampering, but she probably told her husband, don't you tell on me, and they're just throwing the book at her. 
<laughs> Good. Get her out of there, man. Come on. Yeah. But that's quite a, you know, that's a 19-year age difference in the husband and wife, which is interesting. So, um, yeah. It's 21-year age, age difference. No, 30 and 51. Oh, yeah, you're right. 21-year. I had bad math. I do math. I do math. So this this story reminded me of um, True Lies. So if you remember in the True Lies movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, late 80s, uh, there's a moment mm-hmm. where the terrorists are driving a box truck across a big Florida bridge and a Harrier jet comes in and shoots some Maverick missiles at the bridge and blows it up. Well, we've got a small plane in Florida that crashed into one of those really super long bridges down in Florida. Uh, one person was, has been injured after a small plane crashed into a bridge on a Saturday afternoon. This is one of those inlet bridges. Again, one of those really long bridges. You could see the plane flipped over. It's all on fire. Uh, could you imagine being on one of these roads and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, a plane shows up and crashes into the bridge? So this is like a single engine Cessna it said it lost engine power. And, uh, I, what I guess was that, the they don't really say it here, but I think the pilot was trying to crash land on the bridge, like trying to land the plane, but it didn't make it. Um, this was, yeah. Looking at that, uh, they, they did not have a good landing angle or something because that plane is all kinds of yeah, mang- folded up, mangled up and, and stuff. At least there were three people on board it says only one of them got injured. Um, Really? Yeah, which is amazing. Uh, the person injured in the crash has been taken to a local hospital with serious injuries, you think? The plane is pretty good normal. Uh, the good thing is, is they didn't hit anybody else. But you don't see this too often, but it does happen in Florida more often than you would like. So Yeah, well, that dude's going to be broke the rest of his life. Yeah. Paying to fix that bridge. Yeah, he's going to get sued. So let's talk about some things going on in the culture. So this is from actually over across the pond in Turkey. Uh, it's Istanbul. So I'm not sure if it's on the Asian side of Istanbul, uh, Asia side or the European side. But regardless, it's over in Istanbul. So this dude, uh, he lights himself on fire. And people are standing and I, you see it right here in this picture on the, so of course we on the Facebook page and on bloodpumpmedia.com, we put all our show notes. So this is from the mirror in the UK. You can see this guy, they've pixeled out the guy that's on fire, but people are standing around him taking selfies, not helping the guy just standing there taking selfies while this guy burns. And, that's what I want to just point Probably. out today is what the, well, the heck dude is set wrong? himself on fire. I have a feeling people thought it was an act. You think so? Yeah, I absolutely. If he's just a crazy street vendor kind of guy. I think absolutely. And he set himself on fire. Depending on what he said prior, it totally could just be this dude look like he was doing some kind of special act. People were like, Oh wow. Look at this dude. He's like, on fire and then just falls over dead and people are like oh wow but he didn't actually die somebody did come along with a fire extinguisher and put him out and he was able to talk to authorities uh it said it was claimed that the distressed man had been walking around with a sickle and gasoline in his hand for a long period of time 
so here's pictures of the fire extinguisher putting him out. So somebody did come along and put the fire out. But I, yeah, well, maybe we'll give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they thought it was a gag. But for, come on, man. Somebody on fire put it out, which goes to the next thing. So here's um, Sabbath service derails after a couple begins having sex on Zoom. So what? So this is <laughs> this actually happened in my area up here in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. No. Yeah. So a rainy couple who zoomed into services at a Minneapolis synagogue hosting a bat mitzvah forgot to turn off their camera as they began to make a mitzvah of their own, canoodling in full view of congregants who were subjected to the softcore sideshow for nearly an hour. So the controversy of Debbie does Deuteronomy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was oh, a z- my goodness. <laughs> it was it was a Zoom for a bar mitzvah. Most people were not on camera except like the old bub- bubbles who don't know how to turn off their camera. And these two people. So the boxes were pretty big and everyone could see who was on the camera. <laughs> Let's say low at the at the lower end though. Sex on uh, the Shabbat is a is specifically encouraged on yep. the Talmud, and some consider it to be a mitzvah or a, or good, a good deed. deed. Yeah. Yep. But uh, there, only, there was just like way to go, guys. Hey, and they've got some stamina because they were on there for forty five minutes doing their mitzvah stuff. So, but you know, this is a cultural situation that happens now, right? The uh, people, the, you know, there's a term for a lot of it now to getting to tubinizing or being a tubin from Jeffrey Tubin on CNN when he was what? having a, yeah, you remember that? It's like a year ago during the pandemic, Jeffrey Tubin, the political commentator on CNN, he, uh, there, they were having a zoom meeting between him and the anchors and, you know, a bunch of stuff. And, uh, he forgot to shut his camera off and decided in the middle of the meeting to pleasure himself. And, uh, then I was, it went on for a little bit and people were messaging him and, uh, he finally, Oh, my camera's on while he's, you know, playing with the wedding tackle. So yeah, he got, you know, taken off CNN. He I only didn't hear got, anything about that. Yeah. He got suspended for a few months and then he's back on now. No big deal. Cause as long as you're, a political commentator that they agree with, you can come back on after a little while. But if, you know, if he was on the other side of the aisle, he would be chastised for the rest of his life. So, but that's a something for another story. Uh, so the next story in our culture is specifically American. Wisconsin man eats Big Macs almost every day for 50 years. He's only missed eight days of eating a Big Mac or two every day. So, and he's really loving it. <laughs> yeah, that's the dude that's in the, um, he was recognized me. Well, he could be, uh, was recognized by Guinness. No, no, World. no, no, no. Uh, he didn't do supersize me. That's no, what? no. He was in the, uh, the, uh, movie that criticized supersize. Oh, me. Yeah. Which was out, came out later. was all made up. Yeah, yeah, um, def- yeah, defunct the supersize. Yeah. Uh, so he's from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. He's recognized by the 
Guinness Book of World Records as of eating at least one Big Mac or often two almost every day for the last 50 years. And, you know, the dude's not like super heavy or anything. He ate his first yeah, big, Big Mac in 1972. I was three years old. Wow. Wow. In that moment, I said, I'm gonna, going to probably eat these for the rest of my life. And there he is. Look at him sitting on a big pile of Big Macs. What a nice guy. You know, Big Macs are like a thousand calories a piece, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think they're like a thousand or like 1100 or so. So let's see. In August 2021, let's see. He's eating 32,340 yeah, Big Macs. At that point in time, he'd eaten 32,000 Big Macs. He broke his own record, which was first recognized in 1999. At that time, he had eaten 15,490 Big Macs. I had one Burger King Whopper in 1984 and one Topper Double Burger in 1984. There are a lot of other burger chains that have that I've never had the desire to try. I'll probably be eating Big Macs every day for the rest of my life. No one is ever going to beat this record because you basically have to start it as a teenager. But yeah, you know. so he has spent one hundred and thirty-five thousand six hundred and sixty dollars on Big Macs. Woohoo! Give or take. Yeah, roughly. That's in today's dollars, right? Yeah. So I I averaged it out to like three dollars ninety nine cents yeah. for a burger nationwide. So that's pricey. So the last thing in our culture segment I want to talk about is uh the Georgia voting laws. Now, if you remember last year. Georgia was altering some of its voting laws, uh, which um, every person on the left side of the aisle was coming out and saying these laws were racist. It was going to keep people of color from voting, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. And uh, guess what? Uh, in fact, that was when Major League Baseball move the all-star game from Georgia to someplace else that actually had more restrictive voting laws than, um, than Georgia was even proposing. And of course, these are all called Jim Crow throwbacks and all that. Uh, but here's the story. But voting in Georgia is breaking early records despite the state's controversial new election law, as the Washington Post had put it. A 70-year-old black woman that spoke with the Washington Post said she was surprised at how easy she was able to vote. I had heard that they were going to try to deter us in any way possible because of the fact that we didn't go Republican in the last election when Trump didn't win. To go in there and vote as easily as I did and be treated with the respect I knew I deserved as an American citizen, I was really thrown back, she said. There have been nearly 800,000 ballots cast by Georgians as of Friday, a number, th a number three times that of 2018 and significantly higher than 2020, an election year when voting typically increases because it's a presidential election. So, you know, a lot people put out rhetoric and the news media reports it, and quite often in the end, all that they said was a bunch of hot air, and here we got direct evidence that people are actually voting more and in an off-term election uh, and find it easier and better to vote in the, in the ways that were proposed. So I don't understand. What, what was the law? Well, they were just curtailing how much 
in the way that uh, early voting was happening so that there was less likely a chance of um, of, of people stacking ballots or, you know, doing ballot harvesting and stuff. So that was one of them. Two, they did a lot of things with how people could uh, campaign out in front of uh, polling places. And um, the one thing where they said you couldn't serve water no one could hand a person water out waiting to get into a polling place within 100 feet of the door because candidates were wrapping water bottles with their, like, you know, label or their campaign ad and then handing that to people. So what the campaign places do is just put out a big water station and you can just walk over and fill your own cup. But that was deemed as racist. That was one of the things that was deemed as racist. So you... You can't hand out I'd water. Have to look into it. It seems like there's there was something way more. I remember the ball game and everything being moved. I remember everyone having a big fuss about it, but I've never really understood. But that like, was mostly because of the reporting. But it, the most of it was about how people registered to vote, and a lot of it was about early voting to make sure that early voting was happening in a way that was uh, easier to audit and make sure that there wasn't any nefarious activity going on. But the and big I don't know. I I think all voting stuff is hooey and stupid. I think we should have a holiday, a that legal, I... like actual enforced legal holiday um, that's three days long to vote. And the, the why why I'm proposing three days. Three days is because yeah, federal holiday for three days hear me out for this is because if let's say we just had like monday that was the day well not everyone's gonna get off work there's still people that are gonna end up working or something or you know they they can't miss work so if you have it as like let's say two days not not even three days then you have one day where yeah you're off today come back tomorrow some place could be open today some place would be open tomorrow so kind of like you know 50% 50% closed this day, 50% closed that day to encourage, like literally just encourage everyone to vote. Like no one votes. Like the whole country just needs to vote. People need to vote. And I, I think there needs to be a holiday. It has to be something where it's not like, you know, oh, I can't vote unless I, you know, skip work or I go on my lunch break well, and it takes forever to go vote. What if, what if everybody got, you know, a couple hours paid to go vote? Yeah, well, I, I don't works. understand I mean, three days. I, I still think we should essentially just do electronic voting system at this point. Yeah, all of that electronic voting, I'd be okay with it if it wasn't connected to the internet, but everything's connected to the internet and everything that's connected to the internet can be corrupted. I, You know, back when you were not even 10 years old, I had an election commissioner on one of the advisory boards that um, I run ran as the nonprofit I work for. And then the voting machines were simply writing things to SD cards. Yeah. And the SD cards weren't labeled. They weren't encrypted in any way. They just put them inside a case and locked them up. And then somebody physically carried that SD card someplace to plug into somebody's computer to count the votes. Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is where the blockchain... That, that just like, seems so hokey. 
Yeah. Well, everyone's always talking about like, well, you know, blockchain and NFTs, all these kind of things. They're great technology, but they don't have any practical use. This is this is exactly where NFTs and the blockchain sure. technology. Well, as long as you takes could, effect. Yeah, as long as you could get a receipt, let's say with a QR code on it, and you could go home and click on the QR code and verify what you voted for, and then you know if there was some audit that took place. You could take your QR code back in and have them do it, and then they could check, okay, here's what your receipt says you voted on, and here's what the system says you voted on. Then I, if we could do that, then I totally agree with what you're getting at. Yeah, because yeah, you can't change the blockchain once that's set. That's set. No, you could yeah. have a definitive number. Right. And then if yeah. somebody did alter it, but you know your QR code. You would be able to tell if someone would buy and alter it because the way the blockchain works is that every system holds the exact same blockchain. It's called the ledger. Mm -hmm. And then when the smart contract is done, so someone tries to change a block, like a, a section of code on the chain, it automatically completes the smart contract to compare it to the ledger that every other mm -hmm. person has. And if it's found invalid, it will just change it back to what the majority is. Yeah. So you'd literally have to go through like I think it's 75% of everyone that has a you know some code on that ledger and change it for it to actually take effect. That just that'd just be literally impossible to do. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, let's talk we you talked a little bit about the police force uh just talk a little bit. This is something that just really ticked me off. So there is a lady who's walk you can I don't necessarily want to play i'll play the video here it's probably gonna have an ad or something on it uh so you can see it but the um so there's lady in um this lady in los angeles is uh walking across the street with her baby in a in a stroller so you can see her there she's just on the side of the road this guy just like wallops her oh my goodness and he just, just like went out of his way to like hit her. Yep. Yeah. She wasn't even crossing the street. She's just kind of walking down the street and the dude just drove right. I mean, she's okay. And then he drives a little further and he gets, Oh, and that truck came right for it. Good. Yeah. So basically a citizen's arrest, right? That this is just showing multiple angles of this idiot driving into this lady. So because of the way the laws are set up in LA right now, Guess how much of a sentence he got? Uh, the DA office called the final sentence of five to seven months in a youth camp an appropriate resolution. So this is a teenager uh, who did this. Uh, and that's what they're going to do. They're just going to stick him in a youth camp. Um, I mean, how old of a teenager? I he was sixteen at the time of the crime. Because if it's like you know sixteen, seventeen, I mean that's pretty much yeah. I mean nationwide, it would be pretty pretty similar. They probably wouldn't even try him as an adult. Yeah. So he admitted to two felony counts of assault by means of force, likely to produce great bodily injury, and one felony count of hit and run, and got stuck in a youth camp for just a few months and uh, could have killed this lady and that infant. And I don't, 
this has to go with, you know, all kind. there's all kinds of connotations here, but if we are not appropriately... Oh, it was a stolen car as well. Oh, I didn't, I guess I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I said down there said that it was a stolen sedan. Yeah. I, this kid needs a, I don't know, a little more. And the reason that this happens is the next story, L.A. mayoral candidate calls police watchdog of white supremacy amid surging crime and homelessness in L.A. So, you know, California well, has the highest, a... highest rate of homelessness in the country, and their crime rate is getting as bad as Chicago. So Yeah, well, anyway. there is a huge thing with the L.A. Police Department that's, like, being thoroughly investigated. It's been going on for years. You should look up, like, gangs of oh, uh, no, uh, L.A. police gangs. Oh, yeah, I... I, I completely believe that there is huge sec- sections of the LA police force that are completely racist. However, they are not the entirety of the police force anymore. That, that police force is, uh, I, I, last I looked, it was over 50% people of color. So there's certainly a contingent of, uh, old guard, you know, white over the top, whatever you want to call them, whether they're white supremacists or just crazy. Well, they're just crazy. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. But you just can't lamb. This is where um, people of color, because they're on the police force, they are labeled as white now or white adjacent. So, therefore, they're just as bad as the bad people, even though they're people of color. Were you reading the story? Well, I'm I'm just trying to watch your, th- yeah. I was kind of looking at it, and then uh, you're you're jittering around, so I'm oh. trying to follow what you're saying, and also kind of read the article just to try yeah. and get as much context into the bits I'm hearing from you. Uh, let's just look. L- loss. Yeah, but I mean, I've always been a proponent of two things. Uh, one is I, I don't I mean so housing here- is a human right kind of thing. I don't know, but like basically just building houses, like little yeah. small homes. Yeah, like those many houses all over the place. Let people live in them, and then police. They have to. You make a beat cop. Everyone's a beat cop. Literally, there's so many police officers. You could have a cop at every single freaking you know major intersection in that city. Just have a beat cop sitting there. So here, LAPD is made up of nine thousand nine hundred six officers. Forty four percent is Latino, thirty four percent white, eleven percent black, and nine percent Asian. So. Only a third of the police officers are white. So to, this is where I get, you know, just saying that the police force is white supremacists, all of them, I, really? Uh, I just one of those. Well, I mean, you do have people that they may be Mexican, may be black, and they're still racially biased against their own their own race. I mean, it happens all the time. Well, like really affluent black people really hate poor black people. Because they well, I mean, I think there are a lot of policies that are based in you know racism or based in that socioeconomic racism, if you want to put it that way. Um, but the context has changed to where we don't view it as that anymore. But that's why it started, and it still prolongs. Like redlining is still a, a, a essentially a racist thing. Being able to read. Thank you, um, thank you, Democrats, for making that happen. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you to the uh, being able to restructure. What, what what am I trying to say? Like when they restructure their voting grids, gerrymandering. Yeah, which is a constitutional that's, thing. Yeah, no, that's absolutely horrid. They, that needs to be removed. It's 
abhorrent of a thing to do that you just change it to just be what it is. It just needs to be a set area. Just well, a block. That's your block. Then yeah. you should well, be able to change. It should be noted that both parties do it. Yeah, just like the filibuster. That should be absolutely just done with. Oh, absolutely not. Our government is set up to be the homeostasis of the federal government should be gridlock. And the filibuster the is a big part of that. The reason why we don't get stuff done, though, is because of it, right? Because no. the filibuster... Who wants was... more federal regulations? State rights, states' rights, states' rights. Your unicameras, your your other you cameras, can your bicameras. You want, but if every state says more than 50% of the states say weed should be legal, right? The only reason it's not is because of filibusters, right? They pass stuff. They pass stuff for to provide child health care to provide parental leave all these kind of things stop because the filibuster the filibuster is there to give people a chance to debate a topic mm-hmm. before it's actually put no, through the they filibuster is it. there people will sit there because they've unlimited time and read good night moon for five hours to try and make it to it's the last second to where they just can't vote on it that is what people use yeah, the filibuster for. And that is Democrats good. Democrats hate it right now because Republicans will use it to get rid of them. Republicans hate it when they're in power because the Democrats use it to get rid of them. They're like stop their bills. They just need to get rid of it. There has to be a different system. The filibuster is uh, just so stupid. When we have actual things that need to get fixed, like our infrastructure, but it takes two years just to get to an agreement that some of the money will go for infrastructure. The rest of it's going to go to a couple companies to keep them afloat. You know, no, that's not how it should be. But because we have a company or a country that essentially is a company where it's legal <laughs> to bribe Congress people, the president and representatives, well, it's the, legal to there do is that. in the laws that need to be changed. Right. No, I mean, you, that entire thing you, needs to be restructured. There's two a hundred percent across the board. Two laws need to be happening right now. One is that Congress and the Senate, the House and the Senate need to live by the laws that they create. And two, uh, we have to make sure that the people who are not lawmakers don't make laws, i.e., like OSHA. OSHA should not be allowed to make laws. The The House and the Senate have delegated their authority to OSHA. And OSHA comes up with regulations that the House and the Senate never vote on, but all of us have to comply with because the House and the Senate delegated. Now, that that's beyond the filibuster. The, the, the real thing is, is that nobody wants to work together and nobody wants to compromise. So everybody's so far to the fringes now that back in the day, even when... Before you were born, I remember even during Bill Clinton's time that the Democrats and the Republicans got together and they came up with a great budget plan that actually stopped increasing the federal deficit. Now, they use Social Security money to balance the budget and do that, excess Social Security money, but that's another story. But they came and they compromised and both sides got stuff that they liked. And it actually stopped increasing the federal deficit for about, I think, about four or five years. White, but ever since, uh, right after that, of course, you had Bush in there, and nine eleven happened, and then everything yeah, went the no, pot. And then you pushed it over into way more into the. Everything's everything. so extreme now. Nobody wants look. 
for, because it's just huge corporations. I mean, literally. I'm, I'm not even, yeah, this isn't I, like I've, a socialist I've said this for years just, that we need to get rid of lobbyists. Nobody should be able to lobby. No, you shouldn't be able to own stock if you work mm-hmm. for the federal government. Uh, you should have a, like, you should literally be paid uh, the, the minimum wage. If you work for the federal government, you get paid the minimum wage because you already get enough incentives. Yeah. You well, this is free health care. Our current, so, yeah, if our, you, our current president is a byproduct of this system. You know, he'll yeah. come out and say, now it's arguable whether or not he was wealthy. Well, let's just say he was upper middle class when he went to be a senator. And so, of course, he served the federal government. He's 70, whatever now. Uh, like served for like 50 years. 50, oh, 50 years he served in the federal government. And now he's a multimillionaire. How do you only make, I mean, the president only makes 300 and some thousand dollars a year and the senators make 185 or something like that. How do you become a multimillionaire when that's all that you make? Now, of course, he's written some books, but, you know, maybe, I don't know, but he owns tons of property and, uh, and all of that. This is why I almost exclusively vote against incumbents. So my, for the last 20 years, I've been voting against incumbents. Uh, don't matter their party, why I'm an independent right now, because uh, I'm sick and tired of just what you're talking about, all this crap. But uh, I won't give up the filibuster because I think our government needs to be bogged down because they keep making laws that we all got to live with. They don't have to live with them, and they get rich off our backs. So anyway. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just hit a couple governments corrupt. Yep. Absolutely. Burn it down. Kill so, everyone. Indiscriminately burn the country down. <laughs> just start over. Drop a couple nukes. Oh my goodness. Let the fallout sort out the survivors. Holy cow. Just going from <laughs> one extreme to another. Uh, yeah. So a couple of stories here. U S robot orders surge 40% as labor shortages and inflation persist. And uh, this is going on where people aren't going back to work in the same way. Uh, And, you know, down the street from us where we have a big Cisco distribution center, uh, they just increased their CDL uh, new hire amount to $15,000. So you can get, if you switch over to Cisco and get uh, become a new hire CDL driver for them, you get a $15,000 hiring bonus. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. But um, for Cisco, especially depending on the kind of truck driving you're doing, that doesn't even like it's just the $50,000. The reason why there was such a trucking industry in the 80s, and that was just like the American thing. People were truck drivers. That was just a thing in the 80s, you know, all on the convoy. You know, everyone was doing it then was because there was actually convoy was pay. the 70s. Oh, same difference. Late 70s, 80s, <laughs> whatever. Um there, there was an, uh, there, there was regulation in there, and like what you had to pay them, what you had to do this, what you had to do that with, and so people made good money and had like good lives doing driving, and then they deregulated it to the point where it became down to like, oh, well, you know, it's like ten cents a mile. Well, you know, some of these people, 
you know, they don't get paid. The truck isn't moving. And so once you get somewhere and you have a massive truck, which the amount of loads in truck now are higher than they were even 10 years ago, you go somewhere, it takes forever to unload the truck. You're not getting paid during that time. And though your salary may be $50,000 a year, you may be doing the equivalent of a hundred to $150,000 a year if you're paid by hour. So for the trucking things, because I've worked with people in that, I've talked with people in that, mm-hmm. and I did trucks on my own, it was paid by hour. Uh, yeah, it's even even a $15,000 sign on bonus is probably enough for a lot of people, but the actual work environment and how much effort you have to put in for that pay just doesn't equal out in the end. Your work-life balance just doesn't, just doesn't compute. I mean, and the working shortage thing, I think, is a complete uh, crock of crap. I mean, absolutely. There, the thing is, there's so many places where people left, and then they're like, "Oh, well, you know, there's a worker. Sh- it's not a worker shortage. There's a worker migration of people leaving all of the industry jobs people care about. So everyone talks about, oh, there's no one at McDonald's. There's no one at this call center. I'm like, yeah, because those are garbage jobs. Nobody wants to work, and they're not willing to pay more, right? They just don't want to pay more for that job." And they're uh, saying, well, there's no way to pay them. Well, they pay so much money for like high-level employees that don't do anything. If they decrease their salaries and increase the salary of the actual people working for the job, people will stay. I, I, I mean, I, like the McDonald's in our area are paying eighteen to twenty bucks an hour to start now, and they still can't get workers. Well, here's the thing, too, with that. Okay, so Target is up there too. But you know what they do when you get hired? is they'll say you're full-time, but they work on a 10-week average, right? So then they'll you won't actually be full-time, or they'll say you're full-time or you're part-time or whatever and work you basically 40 hours, and then you don't get benefits because the 10-week average is below 32 hours a week. There, I, Every place that I've applied to and had to work with the past couple of years is almost exactly the same way and targets that way too. If you get a, if you get to work there, unless you're a supervisor, they typically don't actually hire you as full time. So you may be making this great like hourly pay, but you're not actually working enough hours for it to compensate working 40 hours a week at a McDonald's for minimum wage. It just doesn't equal out. And then if you do get a full-time job because of the way the averaging works for the 10 weeks, you might not make that much money because you're not actually working 40 hours a week or 32 hours a week. You're working less than that. And then just because the way averages work, they can say, oh, you're full-time, even though you're not actually getting full-time hours. It's just, I, it's uh, I get all that, but, it, but there's a true reality that there's tons of positions. And I have high-paid positions in the nonprofit I work for. Well, you know, in the, the bell curve of what the average salary is in the area that we're right in the center. So it's not low paid jobs. We can't get anybody to apply for them. Yeah, and well, when I mean, we, when you... we do, we get people that are want either more or less out of the position. And, you know, and then there's people that are totally unqualified because these jobs do require degrees or a and that's, lot of that's experience. the problem we run into the people that did have the qualification source degrees were either forced out or just had to leave and then they found something else better or just somewhere else well that we didn't we where, didn't force anybody out to make these jobs open but uh, I, I because we're have, but but we're because we're a non-profit the for-profits because they can charge people more 
you know, hired a lot of people away because they can make well, 10 more grand a year. Yeah. So it's not a matter of people just not wanting to work. It's a matter of there's only a select amount of people in a specific field, especially the kind of fields you work in. Mm -hmm. And the good ones that you try and get are gone. So when people say worker shortage, it's not that there's not enough workers. There's not enough people that can do that job. And then the people that could do that job are already doing it just somewhere else. And then all these other wage slave jobs, like they're just like garbage jobs, but our entire society functions and needs no one wants to do because they don't pay enough or they don't have good enough benefits. So they're off doing something else. So it's just a worker migration of people moving from different industries or areas to other ones that just no one cares about, but they care about like, oh, you know, in Chicago, Minneapolis or, you know, Omaha, there's no one's in the call center is ah, or no one's working at the fast food. Well, yeah, because they decided to get a job with the factory down the street. It's paying them 10 bucks more an hour mm -hmm. and they have a better work life balance. I mean, like, arguably, if I did my same job at like for your non for profit, your nonprofit um, or at some of these like credit unions or, you know, John Deere's in my area. I would make more money, but my work-life balance I have here um, for me compensates for the increase in pay because I can just leave work when I want. I can work from home if I need to. Like I'm, It's very accommodating. I would rather take a slight pay cut for that than to have a bunch of money and never actually have time at home or be able to well, leave work if I need that's to. That's very indicative of later millennials and um, Generation Z which you're fully a part of yeah, that generation. I mean, that's, we, we are a progressing society where, you know, people in the 1950s and, you know, even the eighties predicted that at this point, people will be working four days, three days a week. We, you know, machines would be doing a lot. People are making crazy wages. People have so many benefits. And it's a, it's a big regress where, you know, 40, 50 years later, not much has changed and in some areas. A lot of things has gone down, like decrease in unionships, decrease in just overall pay and minimum wage has an increase. Benefits have gone down. Healthcare system skyrocketed in crop uh, in costs because it's everything's a for-profit industry. And since everything's for profit, they're going to continually try and make more money, which means everything's going to get more expensive and people need to get paid more, but they're not going to get paid more. If they do, it's going to be less than what they need to be. It's just a, a falling apart system. I mean, yeah. So people are asking for these things because I think do, we live in a, the richest country in the world. If any country was able to provide. Have you, you seen know, our national debt? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's not at the cost of like me. That's at the cost of idiots in Congress and their paychecks and the things they decide to spend money on and things that we don't it, even know what they're doing. We, yeah. we had this well, conversation last time. Yeah. Well, right now, the national debt, because of inflation which I've skipped over a bunch because we're running kind of long uh, of stuff that we could have talked about today. But uh, inflation is running so high that the national debt in the next couple of years, the interest on that debt is going to be more than we spend nationally on our defense. So, you know, that that's everyone nation. Everyone globally is just knock a couple zeros off and, problem fixed well that has happened in the past everyone owes each other debt just forget, forget the debts i'm just Oops. yeah everyone just knocked three zeros off in the end and bam that, yeah, hey they, suddenly the numbers uh balance themselves and suddenly Ooh. milk is now a hundred dollars a gallon uh because oh, whatever yeah <laughs> I'm just, prices relative Farming to is the, one of the most subsidized industries there uh, are that, that, I, all i'm saying is you knock zeros off of the dollars then every you, all you, 
cost is related. It's not even dollars. We're printing money anyways. If cost is related. National debt. Cost national is related to the value of money, and you change the value of money, then it directly affects cost. You're not changing the value of money. You decrease the amount of debt. You're increasing the value of money because now with do less you, debt. Do you not understand basic government? Yes, I do. I if have you a change, degree in it. You change the amount of debt. That has to come from somewhere. You can't just erase it. So it affects the Not, entire if, economy. If our entire economy and the value of our money is based off money being created and just numbers being poor, the debt we're giving places doesn't exist. We're just creating numbers and exchanging numbers, and they're just getting bigger and bigger in these negative numbers. Look, look. That's all we're doing. So if we just decrease that, the numbers never existed in the first place. Therefore, it doesn't exist now. What if you make it so you can't just keep printing money and You just keep talking numbers, and it. You, 66% of the U.S. national debt is owned by U.S. taxpayers, whether through the Federal Reserve, the government, or your retirement funds. So if you just erase that debt, that money still is in people's portfolios. That's great. You, you can can't just not release it from the people that have personally bought into the debt. I'm talking these national global numbers where countries just exchange random zeros. Yeah, they, zeros they mostly owe money things. to but us. The U.S. The U.S. We owe huge amounts to other countries because people buy our debt. Our debt is the highest rated thing. I mean, that's the yeah, but it's, only it's, that's, what I'm saying is only 33 percent of U.S. debt is owned by foreign countries yeah, and of so that Jap- off at least 30 percent of our debt so you're gonna bankrupt japan china russia they wouldn't go bankrupt yes because then we knock off debt we have from them oh gosh. everyone does it across the board even 10 percent. just drop it okay we gotta get off the subject because i you your math doesn't work anyway so this is an interesting story. Gene editing experiment turns fluffy. Gene editing. Yeah. Gene editing experiment turns fluffy hamsters into aggressive mutant rage monsters. What? So a, a team of scientists in the U.S. have accidentally created overly aggressive mutant hamsters following a gene editing experiment. They used the controversial CRISPR technology Georgia State University was using examining hormone called vasopressin and its receptor, AVPR1A, and they opted to try to remove the latter from a group of Syrian hamsters with the expectations it would increase bonding and cooperation between the lovable critters. That's because this AVPR1A is understood to regulate things like teamwork and friendship as well as dominance and bonding. Their expectation proved very wrong. We were really surprised at the results. We anticipated that if we eliminated this activity, it would reduce both aggression and social communi- and social communication. But the opposite happened. The academics found that the adorable bundles of fluff turned into mutant rage monsters, exhibiting high levels of aggression towards uh, other same-sex individuals. So, once again, science tries to fix things, but only makes them worse. <laughs> It creates mutant. Yeah, if that was ever the first article on a news website before the zombie apocalypse that I ever saw, that would be it. That would absolutely be like, oh, we were trying to make hamsters more happy and they turn into rage monsters. Now everyone has uh, the, the zombie flu. Yeah. <laughs> and it just seems that way, doesn't it? 
Um, Goodness, we're so, going to die from it. Yeah, we got a couple of uh, interesting positive end notes for us. First, uh, Virginia Dad, a veteran, graduates from college alongside his daughter. Marvin oh, Fletcher and Sanaya Hill both attended Tidewater Community College commencement ceremony together. There's a nice picture. Well, they've taken the picture off the article. That's a shame. Uh, it's taken a long time to get here, Fletcher said. I think so, things are meant to be. There was a nice picture before on the the website when I first clipped this. Um, but it's great. He's a U.S. Marine and Army veteran. Um, he was shocked when he found out that both he and his daughter, uh, who's 17, would be graduating from Tidewater Community College at the same time. So that's just a really cool story. That's fun. Um, then we got this story from France 24. The Rolling Stones opened 60th anniversary tour in Madrid. Now, Those dudes are so old. Yeah. They're in their 80s, aren't they? Uh, not, not quite. Oh. I don't know if any, did you hear any music playing? I heard a little bit. <laughs> I was trying to get things set up and I messed it up. Um, yeah, the, I think Mick Jagger's 76 or 78. Wow. Yeah, Mick uh, Jagger's 78. The, the oldest one was, uh, Charlie Watts, who was the drummer. He died at age 80 a couple of years ago. Uh, Last year, I guess. Yeah, Mick Jagger, 78. Keith Richards, also 78. Ronnie Wood, who turned 75. Uh, these guys have been making music longer than I've been alive. And they, yep, still rocking it out. And uh, Geezer, the old, the uh, the big story on them was back in when they did the Super Bowl a few years ago, they limited the age of pe- people, especially women, that could be in the audience at the Super Bowl uh, the, to people who were younger than them. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, quite quite a controversy, especially the young ladies. They only wanted a certain age group of women in, in front of them. They're so misogynist. Uh lastly, at 83, Japanese uh man becomes oldest to sail across the Pacific Ocean solo. Isn't that a cool thing? I'd have a panic attack a panic attack an hour in once you can't see the coast. That's it, dude. I would have a panic attack and probably die. So I don't know how to say this guy's name, but yep. Where is he, that? Uh, Kenichi Hori. Kenichi Hori. Yeah, yeah it took Kenichi him Ori. 69 days. Uh, the the picture of his boat's not showing up. He's got a really cool boat with some um, solar panels so on it. A, and stuff. Oh, okay, so it's an actual, like boat boat it's, it's a like... sail it's a sailboat yeah he put oh. sails up and everything yeah yeah so it's it's pretty cool that he did that as an 80 year old hello so. sailor yeah. yeah i mean that's i yeah i never would be able to do that kudos well, to you though yeah awesome well that's about it for today we'll be broadcasting from the secret locations again next time until then i'm the old guy and i'm the man child don't forget to cross this stream of consciousness with others as we've done with you today Till next time, don't fall up the down elevator and... Remember, if I don't make it back, it's probably because the police department didn't come to save me. Uh, something like that. <laughs> God bless y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs>